I have known Tito. How long have we known each other, man? Over a decade. And Tito's been part of our team in Turlock and then uh, came to be part of our Patterson team. And just so, so grateful for him. So my name is Dave and I'm the lead pastor at New Life. We have two campuses, one in Turlock and Patterson. We're so excited about this. You. And uh, so if you're new here, uh, well, if you're new here, you don't know any of us, but uh, again, I'm normally in, in Turlock, but during the summer we do a little switching around. Jeremy, who's the pastor here at Patterson, is on a sabbatical. He will be back in three weeks. Three weeks you're going to have him back. And I had a chance to go golfing with Jeremy uh, this week on Friday. It was great to catch up with him. And I, we were driving back home and I said, what do you want me to share with, uh, with the Patterson campus. Well, first of all, before I get there, I think you need to know uh, I beat him at golf, just, just <laughs> FYI, just so we get that out of the way right away. Uh, he has had an amazing time uh, with God this summer, and he feels refreshed, he feels renewed, and he just said, tell him I can't wait to be back. So he's going to be here, and I'm not going to steal any thunder from that. I want him to share with you just kind of what God has been doing, but uh, it's been a great time for him, and he's going to come back. Just If you think he had energy before, he's coming back with even more energy and focus and passion and just really a heart that is tender towards the Lord. And so we're just so grateful he's been able to have, um, have that time. You know, as we finished our worship this morning, and thank you, Sean and Amanda, for leading us in that, there was a, a line right at the end of that last song, and it says, My soul will find its rest in you. For you are mine, or for I am yours and you are mine. My soul will find its rest in you. And I wonder how many of us came here today and maybe we feel um, not so much at peace. There's a lot that's swirling around us, right? In our own lives, things that are going on in our families, in our homes, our our finances, uh, you know, if you're a student, you know, you're looking at like, what does this next year hold? You know, maybe career-wise, all those things going on. We look culturally at some of the things that are swirling and causing such polarity and differences that are going on. And we just think, God, it, it just seems chaos and kind of anxious driven. And yet God today wants to bring you to a place of peace and to trust him that you, we sang another song, you're not alone. You're not alone. He says, I am with you and I go, I go before you. And I hope today, even as we dive into this, that you maybe even just have a moment where you just sense God, not in an audible voice, but just kind of speaking like kind of deep into your own soul that I'm with you and I've got you and you can trust, trust in me. So I'm gonna ask you just to bow your heads and we're just gonna pray as we dive in today. Father, we thank you that you are right here with us you're not out there somewhere. You're not up in the cosmos somewhere. But you're right here among us with the things that we face and the things that challenge us internally and externally. God, you are not far off, but you are close to us. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us today an assurance and you'd give us a strength and, Lord, even a boldness to step out in faith, to trust in you, no matter what may be swirling around us. We thank you that, that your presence brings us a sense of peace and hope and even joy, no matter what is swirling around us. And I pray that we can walk in that today. So as we open your word, Lord, I pray that you would make it come alive to us. God, the last thing we need is a history lesson. The last thing we need is 
just to jump through a, a, a religious story. But Lord, as we go to your word today, I pray, Lord, that we would, from what we read and what we see and what we dive into, Lord, that you would make it apply right to where we're at today. And we would walk out of here knowing that we can trust you. So we pray all this today in your name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bible, I want you to turn to the book of Acts. Some of you probably don't have physical Bibles much uh, anymore. I know I use an electronic device, but however you want to get there, find the book of Acts about halfway through the New Testament. And uh, we're going to kind of go between two chapters, chapter three and chapter four. So I want you to catch this today. We are in this series, and I know you've heard, if you've been here, from a number of our New Life uh, pastors and teachers who have come to be part of this. And uh, we're doing a series called Miracles. And we've been looking at these miracles throughout the Bible to get to the core of really what what are they really all about? And maybe begin to see and understand that miracles aren't just something for people who live during Bible times, but little miracles, a million miracles are happening all around us. And do we see it? And can we see Jesus in this? And are we ready and open uh, to do his work in and through us? And so these aren't just miracles that Jesus did, but through the summer, uh, we've been looking at miracles uh, from the Old Testament and the New. So today we're going to look at a miracle that took place after Jesus had left, and it involves a man who had been disabled and unable to walk for his entire life. And what we're going to see today when we get beneath the surface is that God used the disciples and Peter and John to be bold for God in prayer and life and hope took root. And sometimes it's not the miracle itself, but it's what the miracle leads us to, right? And so we're going to see this this amazing thing that happens, but there's a miracle behind the miracle. There's something else there that that we need to look at today. And it's going to kind of center around the, the, the behind the one is this something that happened within the community of faith, the community of believers, this this early church. And it all began really with with a prayer. There was a study that was done a few years ago. uh, And in this study that they did, they asked uh, people about what was the most common spiritual experience that they would have. Now, these weren't necessarily just Christians. These are just people who would call themselves spiritual. And the most common activity around this was prayer. And you probably know that because people pray when they're in the hospital and students pray when they have a test, regardless of the separation of church and state. People pray before an online date, big time. They pray pray when they're in a crisis. They pray leading up to elections. They pray when the economy goes up and when the economy goes down. We pray because we're trying to find something, some kind of help. And as they did this study, here's what they found. 48% of people pray about relationships. 22% pray about decisions, trying to find a direction and looking for some kind of wisdom. 18% of people pray about finances and having, you know, bills to pay. And the number one financial prayer is what? God, I need more. I need more because I can't quite make it, right? 7% of the prayers are about health issues and 5% is about safety and some miscellaneous stuff like God protect me and and guard me. And so when I saw that and you looked through that list, I, I had this realization that most of our prayers revolve around help me help me, bless me, I I I kind of that I need, I I need. And 
Again, I, I want to bring kind of a balance to this. There's nothing wrong with that. God, in fact, says, bring your request to me and, and do that. But, but think about this. We're invited to come to the God of the universe, the God of the universe, the one who created all that we know. He made the planets and the stars. He made you and he made me. And he is infinitely wise and powerful and good. His love for us is beyond measure. And so often our prayers are, God, give me a good day. Please let that call come through. Oh God, my car won't start. Please, God. I'm gonna turn the key one more time, God, and just make my car start, right? right? And, and God says, yeah, you could bring those, definitely bring those. But the God of the universe says, come. We can come to him. And like, that's as far as we can go. And I don't say that to, to shame you or belittle you or belittle me or anything else because we all have those moments. But isn't there something more? See, God does care about our car and he cares about, you know, whether our face clears up. He cares about the things that concern us. But he also is concerned about deeper things, more profound things in us. And I sometimes think God is maybe looking saying, yes, you want to come, you want to talk, you want to have this connection, good. God's looking at us going, I love you. Is that all? Don't you have something more that you want from me and, and for me? Isn't there something? Don't you want to know my heart for you? And I think, what about us as a church? We're a gathering of God's people, right? That's, that's what the word church, if, if you know that, that original word, it's the word ecclesia, which, which means the gathering together of God's people. That's who we are. It's not a place, it's not a location, it's not a building. It's us. And when we come together, what is our heart and where are our desires? Just to have a place that we can come to, which is fantastic, or is it to be a beacon, a lighthouse to the world? To show a world that is often struggling to find hope and joy and, and purpose and, and meaning and fulfillment. And is there something that we have, which I think there is, that we can bring and say, this is what God has for you. Here's what Jesus told the apostle Peter in Matthew 16, and we're gonna get to Acts 3 in just a second. But he looked at Peter and he said, upon this rock, which is kind of a play on his name, he said, I'm gonna build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. God's plan and his church are unstoppable. And he gives us the message of Jesus who saves us and gives us hope. And it's Jesus that restores hearts and broken lives. And we, every single one of us in this room, we get to be a part of this. And when you go to the book of Acts, over and over you see that this is going on so that Jesus' name and his kingdom and his love reach to every single person. In fact, that's one of the challenges to that, that early gathering is going to all the world, up close and far away, go into all the world and share this message of life and hope. Share this message of Jesus. And we desire to do that today. So we're going to look at this big, bold prayer that came on the heels of a miracle. Actually, it was the first recorded prayer of the church that we're gonna read, and it is powerful. And this prayer and what was behind it has the potential not just to affect change back 2,000 years ago, but actually to change our lives. And do you wanna know what that prayer really is? 
Well, I don't think you do. So I'm going to give you a little context because I think it's important that you understand kind of where this was going from. So Peter and John, two of Jesus' disciples, are going to the temple to pray. Now think of the temple for a moment. This is, this is the place where when Jesus was on the cross, do you remember it says that when he, he finally gave up his spirit, when he, he said, it is finished, and he died, it says the, the veil in the temple was torn into. This is the temple. And this is where Peter and John are now going. They probably haven't even repaired the veil yet. It's, it's come so close on the heels of the, the crucifixion and the resurrection and Jesus was around for a little bit longer and now he's left. And so this is all happening within this context. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of tension within uh, the people because this is where they would go to the temple. And so they're on their way to the temple and they come across this man. So if you're there in Acts chapter three, I'm gonna start at verse one. It says, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the three o'clock prayer service. And as they approached the temple, a man who was lame from birth was being carried in. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, the one called the beautiful gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. And when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. Peter and John looked at him intently, and Peter said, look at us. And the lame man looked at them eagerly, expecting some money. But Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you, but I'll give you what I have. In the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, get up and walk. Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. And as he did, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. And he jumped up and he stood on his feet and he began to walk. And that's not even the end of the story. Then walking and leaping and praising God, he went into the temple with him. And all the people saw him walking and heard him praising God. And when they realized he was the same lame beggar they'd seen so often at this beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. And they all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. So we're gonna stop right there for a moment. Now think of how this would have looked. People are going, you know, looking at this man who they have seen time and time again. They've probably seen him for years as they come to the temple. He's the same guy who sits on the mat. He's begging. We probably have somewhat similar situations. There's maybe a place that you go in town and maybe there's someone who's homeless there who who's, has, you know, a collection. They're trying to ask for some funds. We, we see it in our culture. Not quite so much this where this, there was a disability that was going on and all that, but we kind of go and, and we, we kind of go and do our, our zone and we just kind of cruise through and people have seen this guy over and over again. But suddenly this guy is like jumping around and he's like, woo, bam, praise God, he's doing all of these things. And they're looking at him going, hey, now we don't know what this guy's name is, but let's just assume it's Frank, okay? And they're looking at him going, isn't, isn't that Frank? It looks like Frank, but Frank doesn't walk. Frank is paralyzed, but here's this guy, and the crowds begin to come around him, and they're wondering, what in the world happened to you? What is really going on? And so as this crowd gathers in this Solomon's colonnade, which was kind of like a, uh, kind of like a public gathering court outside the temple, they come there, and they're asking, like, what's going on? What's going on? Why are you walking? How did, in the world does this happen? And every time a crowd gathers and Peter's there, what does he do? He gives a message. And here's part of the miracle to me. Peter and John are fishermen. They have lived most of their lives, at this point, on boats. 
They aren't particularly educated. They're not classically trained. They are blue-collar, hard workers. They've not been trained to be orators or to speak you know, philosophy or religion or none of those things, but they take this bold step and God heals through them and they speak this message. And you know what this message is? You, we're not gonna really read into it a whole lot, but, but it can be summed up in one word. It's, it's Jesus. All of this comes down. How did this happen? What, what in the world is going on here? It's all about Jesus. And he says, it's this Jesus who you handed over to be killed. He's pointing at all these religious leaders. But God raised him from the dead, and we're witnesses of this. And it's this gospel, it's our message, and it's simple. Jesus died for our sin, and he rose again for eternal life. And thousands of people respond to this message that Peter gives. And they say, I want to follow Jesus. I want to know him. If, if even though he's gone now, through you, he can do things like this, Man, I'm all in. And so people are responding that way. But the leaders, they're freaking out. And Peter keeps saying, you killed him. And I can see him pointing at them and then pointing in the direction of Golgotha, which is the name of the hill that, that Christ was crucified on, and then pointing probably where the empty tomb was. And so they're getting all nervous and they're sweating. So they arrest them and they put him in jail. And I'll bet all the other followers thought, well, that's it. That's it for Peter and John. They killed Jesus. Who cares about a couple of fishermen? These guys are probably gone. So I want you to take your Bibles, turn over one chapter, Acts chapter four. Because all this is now, there's this pressure cooker. They've been arrested, but there's this huge miracle that's happened. And so the talk is going on. So they finally bring them in in Acts chapter four, verses seven through 10. And look what happens. They brought in the two disciples and they demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly state to all of you and to all the people of Israel that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, the man you crucified, there he did it again, but whom God raised from the dead. He's saying, you want answers? Okay, here you go. You're not going to like it. The answer is all about Jesus, the one you crucified, but God raised from the dead again. And then Peter speaks one of the most inflammatory statements ever. It's in verse 12 of Acts 4. He says, there is salvation in no one else, and there is no other name in all of heaven for people to call on to save them. And the religious leaders are furious at this. This is why they crucified Jesus. It wasn't because he was a good teacher. It wasn't because he did miracles. I mean, that's fantastic. It was because Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus made this bold claim. He said, I'm the way. I'm the one where forgiveness and life comes from. It's going to come through me. And now Peter and John are reiterating the whole thing. You see, it's Jesus, and it's Jesus alone. But these leaders are frustrated because what they want to do is like just drop the hammer on these guys. But you know why they can't? Because there's this guy who's standing in the room who they've never seen stand before. He used to be out on the sidewalk in front of the temple begging because he couldn't walk, but here he is. He's standing right in front of him. So what do you say to that? And I kind of wonder if this guy's standing there going, yep, I'm standing. 
I'm a stander now. I used to be a sitter all the time, but, but now I stand. I've been standing all night, probably stand all day. This is the greatest thing in the world. You know, it's just like I get to live in this new reality. And the council sends them out and says, don't ever speak of this again. And Peter says, you do what you have to do and we'll do what we have to do. So that's the miracle. That's the miracle. A man was healed. A man who had not walked before. A man who was disabled and, and all of those things. And all of a sudden he's walking and leaping and this amazing thing happens. And here's that part that's the miracle behind the miracle. Look at verse 13 in Acts 4. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John. They could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in the scriptures. They also recognized them as the men who had been with Jesus. I'm telling you guys, when we walk with Jesus, something's different. You may look at yourself and go, I'm just a regular person. I'm a regular person. But God wants to do something in regular people. He wants to do something profound. And it may not be speaking something over someone who's disabled or has a disease and, and all of a sudden, you know, those things happen. But he wants to do something in you and in me that's beyond us. So think about this situation again. What would you do? What would you do if, if leaders said, I don't ever want you to like mention Jesus again. I want you to live for Jesus. I don't want you to, to walk with Jesus again. How would we pray? Here's what I think. I think we would pray, and maybe you've heard this phrase before. It's a very religious, modern religious phrase. We would pray for a hedge of protection. God, give us a hedge of protection. Keep us safe. Don't let anything hard or challenging or bad happen to us. We're doing this for you, God, so I want you just to guard us. And then, if we were back then, we would look at Peter and John, and we would say, hey, you got to tone it down, dude. You're like talking way too much. Stop pointing at people and telling them that they killed Jesus. Just relax a little bit, right? Just, just step back a little bit but that's not what they did. And this is where we come to the first recorded prayer in the church, this prayer of boldness, where the miracle is more than just a man healed to walk. It's about where it led Peter and John in that first church. And the reason that it's important to us today in 2022 is because I think just like me, you're hoping that faith in God is more than just going through the motions. More than just praying, God, help me today kinds of prayers. More than just attending church, as great as that is, right? We all want to do that. We want to be part of that family. You know when you watch a movie or you read a book and you get swept up in an adventure? Ever done that? There's, you know, it seems like the theaters are just starting to open uh, again. And so, has anyone seen the new Top Gun movie? Okay. So, 
I haven't seen it yet, but, but just, just imagine in, in that movie, I, I've read things about it. It's like you're probably just sitting there watching this whole thing, and, and you're, not, you're not thinking about this or that or whatever. You are just like totally engrossed in this story. Think about all these movies, you know, these action-adventure movies, maybe a story that you read, and just we're just drawn into it. There's something about it that we just get swept up in. Your heart starts beating, and a part of you is thinking, man, I wish there was that kind of adventure in my life. You know why that's there? Because you were made for adventure. Not hanging on one-handed to a helicopter going off or you know, busting through something, not that kind of thing. But there is an epic story that God is writing and he wants you to be a part of it. And so that first prayer for this church had to do with God, we want you, we want you to move among us. We want you to, to lead us and guide us. We want, we want to be part of, of what you're doing. We want to walk with you in this. We don't want to just pray, God, help my car start prayers. We, we want to be bold in that. So I'm going to give you a couple things. If you have a note, you can write these down. If not, just, just look at these and let them seep down a little bit. The first is this. Bold prayer recognizes that we are in God's mighty hands. We are in his hands. So here's the first part of the prayer. In Acts chapter four, we're gonna be back at verse 24 and 25, and then we're gonna skip in verse 28. But here's what it says. All the believers were united as they lifted their voices in prayer. O sovereign Lord, creator of heaven and earth, the sea and everything in them, you spoke long ago by the Holy Spirit. In verse 28. In fact, everything they did according to your eternal will and plan. What's the first part of the prayer? God, sovereign God, we are in your hands. And we haven't always known that. We don't always feel it, but we are in your hands. And sometimes it may feel like things are out of control. It seems like the bad guys are winning, but it was never out of control, God, because we have always been in your hands. It's hard to believe that sometimes, though, isn't it? because it seems like stuff can get so chaotic and upset. And I, I have personal friends who have walked through such incredible pain and loss. I, I, don't, I don't have an answer. Like, I, I don't know why that took place in your life. I don't know why, why you had to walk through it. I, I don't know what the ultimate plan is in that. Because sometimes in our life, there is pain and sadness and grief. Sometimes it feels like your breath is knocked out and we don't know if we can carry on one more day. But this prayer teaches us something, that we have a sovereign God, we have a king on the throne and we are in his hands. And we're not always in safe situations. I want you to hear this. We're not always in safe situations, but we are always safe in his hands. And this is where we come to God and say, we believe you're good. And we believe that you're loving. And while things may be swirling around us and things happening we don't understand, we're gonna trust that you've got us, God. The miracle from the miracle is taking the step to pray a prayer like that. Rather than praying, protect, 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 guard, 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 and there's a place where that's okay. We, we can pray that God would surround us that way, but can we trust him and have the faith to pray, God, we are in your good and strong hands, and can I, Ready for a really troubling phrase? Can I abandon outcomes knowing that he's got me? 
I want this to happen and this to happen and this to happen. Okay, can I give that up and say, I just want to trust you, God, that you've got a plan and a purpose for my life. It's a different kind of boldness. It's a different kind of trust. It's a different kind of faith that moves us to abandon outcomes and simply trust him. The second thing is this, write it down. Pray with boldness. Pray with boldness. Look at verse 29 of Acts 4. This is amazing to me that they pray this. And now, O Lord, hear their threats, because they were being persecuted. This was coming against them. And give your servants great boldness in their preaching. And here's what I think when I first read the story. I think boldness is the problem, right? Peter and John just like are not dialing it back at all. That's what's getting them into trouble. But when was the last time that we prayed, God, I'm in your hands and give me boldness in my workplace, in my school, with my family, wherever I'm at. Would you give me boldness to live for you and to walk with you? Now understand there's a distinction here. They're not praying, you know, give us great obnoxiousness. They, you know, not great weirdness, not great judgmental attitudedness. I don't think that's a word, but you know, he's not, they're not praying for just, you know, let us just hammer it home with people. But boldness is the courage to forgive people when you're hurt. Boldness is the courage to serve the hurting and the wounded and the neglected and those that are left behind. Boldness is willing to be generous and giving. Boldness is the courage to stand up and love when maybe no one else will. And if there was ever a time in our culture that God would want us to be beacons of light and the instruments of love, this is it. It's so easy to point fingers. It's so easy to judge. It's so easy to go, well, I'm gonna get my say in there, but what if we were just humbly and quietly loving? It's the courage to step up and be a witness of what we've seen and heard and experienced. Great boldness when it would be easier to just fade or when it would be easier just to be overwhelming. Boldness to trust God in the moment. The number three is this, write it down. Bold prayer seeks for God to move powerfully. Look at verse 30 in Acts 4. Send your healing power and may miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. So here's my question for you. How many of us prayed anything close to that in this last week, in the last month, in the last year? ever. Or would we say, Dave, I don't know if I'm comfortable with that. I'm just, I'm just not sure. See, I don't think that you or the people in your life are interested in an intellectual pursuit about the possibility of a higher power or force. I think you and the people in your life are curious to know that God is alive and he does save and he does rescue, and that you are not alone. We sang those words. I think people wanna know that. I think people are desperate to know that. I think people are latching, and this includes all of us, we latch on to every, anything we can that's gonna give us some sense of purpose or life or hope, something that's gonna fill our souls the people that you know, the people that you're gonna see at a restaurant or a grocery store today or wherever you go, you know what they want? They want their life to 
somehow matter. They want their life to somehow mean something. They want to, they're, they're searching. They're searching every single day. And I think people are curious to know, is God really real? And does he love? And does he accept and does he forgive those who cry out to him? And people have been so turned off by sometimes the the organization of Christianity in our culture because we've been so quick to judge and so slow to love. And the question is, have we really shown people Jesus? Not by explaining it again, but having it live out in us. I think that's the bold prayer. Jesus, let me, let me walk with you. Let me be, let me be your apprentice. Let me, let me learn from you moment by moment. See, I'll tell you, I've heard the stories of faith. You guys have too. When you've had baptisms, right? Your people share their story. You've had, you know, those moments. We've seen lives change. Some of you here, you know, if you, if you went back a year or five years or 10 years, the people in your life would go, I can't believe that, that person is sitting in church. I can't believe that, like, like, what happened to you, right? Have you ever had those conversations? Someone sees you, you went to high school with, or you've known from the community, and they're like, man, what's going on with you? Because God's been at work in your life. And we see him heal and restore. It's the miracle beyond the miracle. And God is challenging us to take a step further and a step deeper, to pray, God, sovereign God, we are in your hands. Give us great boldness and move in unmistakable ways that we could know and experience you so that others could see you in us. Hebrews 4 says this, so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God, and there we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. Imagine, just for a moment, what God would do in us if we could pray with bold faith and persistence like that. The miracle wouldn't be that one man is able to walk as stupendous as that is, right? We, part of us can't even imagine something like that happening. But the miracle wouldn't just be that one man could walk. It would be that all of us would walk and run in faith. And we would, we would proclaim Jesus everywhere. Everywhere. That's the miracle. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, today, we so desire you. Nothing else. We're not looking for kudos. We're not looking for, for medals. We're not, we're not looking for any of those things. We just, just want you. We want to walk with you. We want to know you. And I pray, Lord, for each of us sitting in this room today, that our faith would be, would be more than just an intellectual exercise and it would be more than just the duty of attending a service or jumping through some religious hoops. It would be so much more than that. It would be our hearts and our souls turned to you. 
God, I, I pray that something profound would begin to shift and change in us. That we could truly be a light to this world. Lord, we all are aware of the darkness around us. But I pray, Lord, that we could be lights that shine for you. And we love you. And we pray all this today in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? So when I was growing up, and this is my last thing, when I was growing up, um, uh, my family would, would take me to church. Um, parents had a strong faith, and I'm just so grateful for that. But growing up in church, we'd go to Sunday school, right? And uh, we would sing these kids' songs, and you know some of them, Jesus Loves Me, This I Know. Maybe you've heard that. But there was another song that we sang, it was this, this little light of mine, I'm gonna let it shine. This little light of mine. I'm, and we always had to hold our finger up, you know, that was, that was the light. And then this verse, and it came straight from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. It was, hide it under a bushel. And then we would all yell, no, I'm gonna let it shine. Such a simple song that had motions to it and everything, and we would get into it as kids. And, and I don't know when the last time I, I even sang that song. But do you realize how profound those words are? The light of Christ in me. I'm going to let it shine. I could hide it. I could tuck it away. I could just put that wall up so that nobody would know. I could kind of be the, the, the undercover, the, the hidden follower of Christ. But no, no. I'm going to let the light of Christ shine in me and through me to a world that desperately is looking for something true and real and authentic. We can be that light. You can be that light in Patterson and the West Side. People are searching for it. They're hungry for it. Pray a bold prayer this week. Let God do something great in you. Hey, thanks so much for being part of uh, this New Life Patterson campus, all that God is doing here. Thanks for worshiping with us today. And again, if you're new here to New Life, I hope you'll have a chance to come out here. Tito's over here to the side. We just love a chance to say hi. We have a gift for you. Thanks so much for coming today. Have a great, great week. You're dismissed.